Girlies, welcome to Crisis Twink, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies. Whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a problematic fave, or just something that needs to be urgently discussed or you'll die, we're going to revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistance it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I'm the only twink who can save a culture in crisis. Joining me today is a writer whose work has been featured in the Washington Post, The Ringer, Pitchfork, Stereogum, and many other publications. It's Julia Gray. Hey, Julia. How's it going? It's going. Was that intro too like NPR voicey to you? No, I think it was perfect. I think you have a voice for radio. Well, I did at one I mean, did unfortunately I'm a, like a war vet of four years of college radio experience in which I was told to sound like Ira Glass so I think that like no you sound cozy that's good we try to <laughs> for a podcast called crisis twink we do try to cultivate a very cozy cozy environment yeah I, cozy. I, I thought it was perfect not too npr I mean you know what I'd say just npr enough perfection like I could be a legitimate news outlet. I'm absolutely not a legitimate news outlet, but like if you're dumb and listening to this, like I could be Anderson Cooper for all you know. I don't, you could be. Did you you see the, did you see the Free Britney news? I did just see it as we were logging on. What a a day to celebrate. (laughs) I mean, also what are, what are all the free Britney folks going to do now, now that she's freed? <laughs> it seems like they've changed all their hashtags to hashtag Britney free, which is not something I had anticipated, but is very funny to me. Definitely. I mean, it's not done yet, though. Like The conservatorship's not done, I don't think. It's just moving to new hands. Sure, right. Uh, yeah, well, I, I guess the battle's not over. At this point, I don't know what the battle still is. Like, to be perfectly honest, I did watch Framing Britney Spears, and I still feel like I only have a rudimentary knowledge of what the situation actually is. Yeah, I feel like they kept a lot of it in the dark. Um, I feel like there was a lot of things that weren't allowed to be said. It just mm-hmm. felt like it felt like they were really skirting around a lot of the, you know actually what happened totally I think like the main takeaway for me that I've been seeing is how powerful the internet actually can be in situations like this like this really was a social media generated movement that got I mean Brittany at least a few days in court and then we I think the tides really turned once we were actually able to hear her talk about her own situation like that was really Mm-hmm. alarming stuff just insane I mean it is it is uh the good of social media comes out I feel like you know I mean not I just the gathering potential you know right <laughs> I mean the, the one time the goods come out I mean we did see this week like all the Cuomo sexuals or whatever which was the uh during the dark side of the internet. <laughs> just just strange. Did you see that? Um, I had not really been aware of the sweatshirt brand before oh, like this Lingua past Franca. week. Yeah, Lingua Franca is offering to like un 
embroider your shirts for you that say quote sexual on them which I, is, I mean that is just a like if you have that embroidered onto a $300 sweater like that's what you deserve you shouldn't <laughs> you have to wear that proudly you have to go to the supermarket uh today no I in 10 years there's going to be some like red scare adjacent podcast that like where the hosts are actually going to sell ironic homosexual merch I think oh, exactly. <laughs> oh we're like a few months off like if you can repatriate like ISIS to sell like Shopify t-shirts like <laughs> that that is a one step a few steps too far for me just I, I had a giggle and then that was about it and I, I sometimes see like men who are too old to be fans of that podcast wearing those shirts yeah and I, I just it's like to the extent that it, those shirts are for anyone at all they're like certainly not for them no certainly not 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 for a 40 something living in Williamsburg absolutely not I feel like we need to nip this conversation in the bud so like some guy on a discord server doesn't come after me so let's move on to the first segment um we're gonna play go call the governor speaking of Brittany so I am going to present you with three cultural scenarios from recent and or ancient history and by ancient history, I mean like two weeks ago. And you're going to decide whether or not the governor needs to be called. Okay. There, there are no wrong answers here, but your choice is binary. Does the governor need to be called or not? Okay. All right, so Am let's I, play. Is it a speed game? Do it I is not a speed game, not a speed game. Um, yeah. We'll talk about all these to an extent. And this first one is definitely a topic of conversation. Um, the new Billie Eilish album, does the governor need to be called? So can I have uh, one follow-up question? Mm -hmm. if, if I'm calling the governor, am I complaining or am I, um, am I saying hell, hell yes, governor? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how anyone can look at our state governments right now and be like, hell yes, governor, slay governor queen. Um, no, it's, you're calling for someone to intervene. You're calling, okay. calling I, someone I to like. So. I thought so, but I had, um, I second guessed myself. This is a good, it's a good clarification question because increasingly recently people have been like, I don't understand how to play this game. So <laughs> I should have trusted my gut, but I, I'm going to call the governor on, on Philly. Okay, speak on this. What do you think about the album? I've always been on the Billy is Boring train. I don't think she's, I mean, I think she's the talent, of course. Sure. I'm mm -hmm. not, I'm not deaf. I can hear that she is talented. I think that she is, she appears to not have any problems and I don't think that creates an interesting music. Yeah. Um, maybe that's I don't know I, I say that but like I love Ariana Grande and she seems to have a, a beautiful life I think that when it comes to pop I really need something to be pop yeah you know I mean like no. it, she's trying to do too many things and it's not it's not really hitting for me like I don't I don't need Billie Eilish to do bossa nova but, and also like bossa nova 
is a quiet, gentle genre in a lot of ways, but like she makes it sound so much like a like a funeral dirge. Yes. Like, <laughs> I don't know a single Brazilian who's gonna like shake their ass to like Billy Bossa Nova, you know. It's all just so sleepy. Yeah. Like, that that's been my problem with her from the go. It's just it's the first album at least had some like electronic synthy moments that I mean, they weren't always up-tempo, I guess. Like, Bad Guy and Bury a Friend and Strange Addiction, I guess, were all pretty up-tempo, like, mm-hmm. radio hits, basically. Yeah. And there's not really anything like that here. Like, it just... I know it's not a Jack Antonoff album, but it really feels like a 2021 yes, Jack Antonoff that's album. a great point. I also feel like I'm gonna... I'm not gonna take it back, but um, I'm sure Billy does have problems as she speaks about on the album. She's just, like, talking about, oh, like all the things that I used to like, just like, I don't like anymore. She's depressed. Like she rose to this huge fame so quickly, but it's, it's just hard to kind of, I don't know, the kind of music she's trying to make is not, it doesn't feel like, I don't want to say it's not for her, but it's like, I like, I don't know. She's not, she's not a sympathetic character no like being (laughs) introspective about like the perils of fame in richie or whatever (laughs) is not like it's not compelling fare for me like that lord profile that dropped with the new york times today too like i got unfortunate shades of billy in it and how like all the sampled lyrics they quoted were like about her buying houses and having gowns and going to fashion shows and not liking any of it. I'm like, to an extent, we sort of already got this on melodrama and I don't want it again. And now it just sounds like Jack Johnson. It's also, how do you avoid that at a certain point? But I don't know, Lana did. Lana kind of does the, like, I'm glam and I hate it thing. But I, she's at least like, playing a character doing that like it yeah. feels like so much more of an artifice with her and I think that's what keeps it compelling like every Lana album lyrically is more or less the exact same with maybe the exception of Norman fucking Rockwell which sort of turns the like the compact case outward onto the world right but not I, I mean yeah we've had only three Lord albums in what eight years now and like well, Billy, I guess, like, two in three years, but neither of them, I mean, it's not enough of a body of work to feel, like, varied, I guess. No, definitely. I mean, I I love Lord to death, did not, like, solar power at all, mm-hmm. um, but Billy, I, I don't know, I, I, I hesitate to compare the two, because I feel like Billy's just I don't get it. I really don't. I don't either. You know that kind of glazed over look she has? Yeah. That's how I feel her (laughs) Sort of like, all right, you know? (laughs) She, yeah, it just, like, it is like music for people with really heavy eyelids and like a sleep disorder, like the CPAP machine kings of this nation. But the thing is, it's a hit though. Like the album is massive in a way that I truly don't understand because like I don't I don't know how anyone gets 
any enjoyment out of this. And I thought I thought that about like Claro too, honestly, which also was like sort of a hit. I just don't. It's easy listening for uh, for cool girls. You know, it's like it's if you're going to do that, just listen to Phoebe or just listen to like listen to any of the boy genius girls. (laughs) It's not as easy. You know, I feel like it's Billie Eilish really gives you something that you can digest and not even think about, you know? Yeah, I don't I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want to digest it. I I tried. I tried. I gave it a shot. Um, she has one song I think I can't remember what it's called like Oxy oh yeah Oxytocin is cool sure yeah it's like it's almost there for me it's but it's, it's well it's the only one that's like up tempo or you, that you could play at a party yeah like still it's like she never really reaches a climax there's it's just one note which is my the Billy the Billy problem if she worked with other people too I'm sure it would be like having a few more cooks in the kitchen yeah that 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 brother creeps me out a little bit so I'm not gonna not gonna say any more on this podcast that that brother of hers um okay let's move on to the next topic um fashion crocs does the governor need to be called I'm gonna say no interesting I'm not sick of them I um I think I'm always down for funky footwear and Mm -hmm. I think they are fun. I'm, you know, I love the different colors. I like the gibbets. I think that's what they're called. Yeah. Um, I, I hesitate when I look at the Balenciaga, uh, like huge platform. Yeah. Like those are played out, you know, it's, we all know it. And that, the people wearing them just have them and they feel like they need to wear them. <laughs> that's what prompted this. Um, just a, a peek for listeners to see how the sausage is made. I saw a picture of Heidi Klum yesterday in a neon yellow jumpsuit that she had paired with the Balenciaga Crocs with gibbets and them like Balenciaga gibbets. And the yellows didn't match. And I was like, this is not a good look. I, I don't know. But like, I, I see the function. I, I think I also, I do like ugly shoes and like, I love a clog. Um, Yes. So I, I think if worn right, like I've seen girlies around Greenpoint on their bikes wearing like cute orange Crocs. And I don't think they would work on me personally, but I think you can, if if pulled off right, I mean, I don't need to call anyone to intervene. Do you own any Crocs or, or have you owned any Crocs? I do not currently own any because I, you know, I know better. I don't think yeah. like my, I don't know if it fits with, I think it could fit with my style in a different, um, in a different time, in a different world maybe, but it just, I don't think it's for me or my body type even. Yeah. People always say that they just throw them on and that they go with every outfit, That's but cool. if you're wearing Crocs, the only thing I see about you is that you're wearing Crocs. Like they're so focus pulling. For sure. I'm sure they're comfy. I've never owned a pair of actual croc crocs. I've only I had like flip-flops from them in like middle school, high school, which the, different. The middle school did have a pair of green crocs that I was obsessed with. Mm-hmm. Um but that I my dad, I remember he was so upset by them just aesthetically. He was like, yeah. Don't wear those. And so I was um afraid to wear them. <laughs> Shamed by your own father. <laughs> Wow. Uh-huh, for wearing and guess what? They are still in that house. And my mom wears them sometimes. 
So, you know what? <laughs> we both went to, for the listener, we both went to middle school, high school together in Maryland. I was recently sent my high school pair of Under Armour slip-on sliders that I have been wearing to the grocery store at age 26. Like, I mean, not a bad thing to have. They're not exactly fashion, you know, like the other people in my building have like the actual Yeezy ones or like are just going with the classic Nike or an Adidas. Like th- there's something a little down market. About, about Under Armour? Yeah. I'm waiting for the comeback. I think Under Armour could really, I mean, I'm sure they're doing fine. Oh but... yeah, they're, they're like an empirically <laughs> successful brand. <laughs> it just feels very local for. Sure. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. It, it does feel deeply um, our hometown for some reason. Yeah. Under Armour. Yeah, I, re- I remember going through a phase where I was like, I need Under Armour. I think, well, that was that was the summer uniform was all Under Armour. And then in the winter, everyone had the same North Face jacket and Ugg combo, basically. I ad nauseum. One of those, uh, I I got this like green fleece North Face that I was obsessed with, and I still mm-hmm. have it. And I oh it. yeah, my my like burnt orange. <laughs> two two of the saddest words in the English language, burnt orange fleece, <laughs> is still hot hanging up in my closet somewhere at home too. I think it's I do think it's cool now. I think you wear it and you're like, oh, that's funny. You know, it's like wearing yeah, like if Uggs and Crocs can you know, the nostalgia cycle can turn those into like legitimate 2020s fashion items again. Like North Face is just down. Like they're going to team up with like Montclair or something. And we're going to have like those like Esmer Miller, like head to toe fleece looks like that. I support it. I support it too. All right. Last one. Gossip Girl star Thomas Doherty is accused of queer baiting after a Hollywood reporter featurette in which he devilishly smiles after um, insinuating that he has kissed men. (laughs) Does the government need to be called on that? Is that, okay, is that a full headline? No, that I I paraphrase (laughs) that. I did write it like in the style of the Daily Mail, but like I didn't know how else to write that. Okay, so. Oh, that's that's verbatim from the article. I I figured. Yeah. Um, so Thomas Doherty, is he the one who plays the Chuck Bass character? Yes. And he is accused of queer baiting because of his character on the show? No. So, hmm. I don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> Basically, oh. he plays a pansexual on the show. Right, he I has dated that. exclusively women, he says, in a romantic sense, including being engaged to that Disney actress Dove Cameron for four years mind you he's our age like he's lived a life already that we only could aspire to and then he was like but living in New York and then he devilishly smiled (laughs) when when basically he was like you suck dick you know wow okay so that that is a complicated uh phone call and yeah (laughs) I think you have to get other agencies on the phone, like the feds are being called. I mean, I think we need to do some questioning. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there there some questions need to be asked because this could, this sounds like he's queer baiting. It sounds like he's playing a role, but 
maybe he's not <laughs> you're questioning other people's questioning it, i am doing that yeah I, I do you think queer baiting is real um i'm not convinced it's real i think that i i hear that it's real you know i've never felt it personally so okay. i do you know what i mean it's sort of like yeah um, like yeah if you feel like that if like porches is queer baiting sure maybe sure you know what i mean i okay, I, I okay that porches is a really good because <laughs> i have not thought about this since like 2018 which i think porches wanted you to think too but like i i never really got this the queer baiting thing he just like yeah. has blonde I hair <laughs> i think that was before guys painted their nails you know like yeah i remember everyone was like he's painting his nails which is like okay you're the narc for being like for giving him a hard time for painting like let him paint his nails yeah like everyone gets so up in arms about like dismantling the gender binary and then the moment someone paints their nails or like wears a skirt or whatever i think they're just like i think people were annoyed it's coming back to me um I think people were annoyed because there was an interview where he said, yeah, I'd like to paint my nails and play with gender or something along those lines. Okay. Well, that's, I yeah. I understand why that would upset people. Like, that's, you're like reducing gender to like an aesthetic signifier, which like in a lot of ways it is, but people don't like to hear that. Sure. And it's also like, yeah, maybe just watch what you say if you're being interviewed. <laughs> Sure. No, <laughs> I mean, I know I get really frustrated with like Harry style, all those like endless oh, Harry Styles headlines where he's like in like the ugliest dress you've ever seen yeah. from like Christopher Kane. And yeah, it's like, styles. <laughs> no, like I like, look, if you want to wear a dress, I think it's beautiful that like self-identified cis straight male celebrities are like wearing dresses and playing with fashion, doing all that stuff just make it look nice though like I think Harry Styles yeah. has horrible style I do I mean despite the name I do agree I <laughs> I, I can't that's how you know he's straight <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> also like I think yeah why do we need to talk about it you know why do we need to talk about the fact that Kid Cudi, Cudi wore a dress on SNL can't yeah can't, like I think we're I don't know and like True progress is not talking about shit. <laughs> I don't think people need to like, I mean, I think it's helpful to identify as queer from like a visibility standpoint, but like, I understand why people don't want to label stuff about their sexuality too. Like I've been thinking about Joshua Bassett a lot mm -hmm. this week and how he basically accidentally came out as queer. And then now has basically done this full press tour with like all the major gay media publications being yeah. like, I love being a part of the <laughs> queer community. And I'm like, would you have done this if you didn't accidentally say something super innocuous and then get like besieged on TikTok for it? That's so funny. I, yeah, I just think the, the media, like the Hollywood media, um, I'm going to sound like a real boomer, but it's, it's really just this crazy cycle. Yeah. <laughs> like it, that does not need to be running the way. I mean, I guess it does as someone who like blogged about pop culture and music for a long time, you have to, you have to react or else you don't get paid. Well, yeah. But and I mean, <laughs> <laughs>
All right, someone's about to shoot me in the head, but in the <laughs> clickbait economy, like no. we do, <laughs> we do need to, um, you know, actually like get clicks and like, um, you know, write about news as it's happening that people want are caring about, and like so much of what people are caring about is like the reactions to the reactions to the reactions. I just think it's so overblown because like a he's an actor. Like no offense, he's probably had a gay experience at some point <laughs> um, like I don't think that like people need to be like super coy or stupid or like or, or, or like even like overtly like labely about it like it just people need to live their lives and know and be normal <laughs> yeah everyone just needs to be normal <laughs> I, that, that's really what I, I wish to tell everyone is be normal and and relax that's been my my motto this week I think no I think those are truly words to live by like I just yeah this week especially people have been acting like greased up freaks like all over greased up freaks but all right well let's take a quick break before we get back with cultural emergency um see you in a few minutes and we are back Julia what cultural emergency are you rushing to the ER today well, honestly, I've been on my way to the ER for a while, um, kind of uh, screaming and screaming and no one will listen. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> my emergency is TikTok. Um, I've had my suspicions for a long time and I've tried to kind of rid myself of this moral panic, but I, I can't shake the feeling that we'll look back on TikTok and just have such regret. Um, yeah. I, you know, we're, I mean, there's, there's so much there, but I mean, on a very basic level, we're just like surrendering our most intimate data and brain power and just kind of slaves to big tech and child celebrities. This is such an interesting day to do this too, because we are recording this on Thursday, August 12th, which is the day that the D'Amelio show trailer dropped. If for those who may not be like big TikTok heads, Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio are two of the biggest content creators on the platform. They, what do they do? Who's to say? But they are now getting their own like Kardashian ish reality TV show on Hulu that comes out next month, which to me feels like a legitimization of this sort of celebrity and like this sort of avenue to fame in a way that we haven't really seen before no i i mean absolutely it was only a matter of time i feel like these we just don't really know how big these uh tiktok stars are because they're reaching an audience that is younger than us and yeah such such great size so walk me through your TikTok experience, I guess. I think you're a little bit more plugged into the app than I am. So I'm actually not. I have been, every time, I mean, lately I have been more so um, just because I want to torture myself. No, I just have been kind of experimenting with it because I am curious about it. Um, But I, every time I kind of try to engage with TikTok or in the past when I have, my algorithm has just served me up um, a disgusting display that I, I want no part in. Part yeah. in. 
Um, and, you know, I, I'm sure you've seen the articles written like, like, you just have to fine tune your algorithm. Here's how. And I think, I think that is just crazy. Oh, <laughs> Why yeah. Why free advertising for TikTok? So the, I went through this myself mere months ago because I actually only just downloaded TikTok as an app on my phone rather than just passively consuming like the mm -hmm. cream of the crop that filtered through to me on Twitter back in May. And curating an algorithm that worked for me was like such a fool's errands. Like I really only wanted comedy. Like I only wanted like the same like Brooklyn alt comedy videos that I was seeing on Twitter in the first place. I only wanted to see like the Azalea Banks and Doja Cat stuff I was seeing on Twitter on the in the first place. And what I got was just like a litany of like, I mean, we've we talked about this a little earlier off pod, but like age gap videos yes. and like yeah. buy rights video and ace rights video and like plant dads and like cat girls and cat boys and i'm just saying words at this point but all those words <laughs> just know are on tiktok and i don't want any of them no and it um i think at first what i've read about tiktok is the algorithm throws a bunch of stuff at you and sees what you latch on to sees what you linger on the longest and then you know, continues to kind of trial and error, see like, oh, if we show him more cat boys, like, let's see, <laughs> let's see how long he'll stay on the cat boys. Okay. We know we to keep him on this app longer, we need lots of cat boys. And so it just, it be, does become this, um, I don't know if you, I, I hate to continue using cat boys, but if you have this it's hard not to. gross it's hard fascination not to. with cat boys, it's going to keep showing you that whether you and, like it or not. And to be clear, I A, don't like it. And B, for those who don't know, a cat boy is like a straight teenager who dresses up as a cat <laughs> for like for clips. See, I, I didn't know that. I thought it was yeah. like a furry of some sort. It's not not a furry. Like, do you know that picture of um that goes viral every so often of like KJ Appa from Riverdale in the cheetah suit. It's kind of yeah. like that, but sluttier somehow. My God. Yeah. I yeah. mean, my, yeah, my algorithm shows me things that I, I, it's like you have to look at because they're so shocking. Um, like the age gap TikTok um, it's, it's not that I like care about age gaps it's just the fact that these people are making this like it's hilarious yeah. right? that there's a whole oh it's I don't, it's almost beautiful there's a whole group of people so many couples who feel the need to post videos about them <laughs> I just it's so no I like the impetus to like self-justify a lifestyle is not a new one on the internet like that's why we have all these competing mommy bloggers like arguing every day about like the best way to breastfeed and like doing what works for your kids when you only have granola in the freezer like that it's not um it's not new but like seeing it in a visual format like this and like and everyone's just like doing dances with their like 66 year old husbands like that's what's funny to me no exactly i mean i i oh god i fell into one hole um where i was 
looking at all the TikToks of the girl who is married to the creator of Silly Bands, that's mm-hmm. a cap relationship. I yeah. think that's why I, I have this on my algorithm. It's so, she's like, <laughs> oh my God, it's so funny. She, she constantly talks about like, yeah, he created Silly Bands. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm so going to call the governor on that. Like, I don't believe in age gap discourse, but like the guy who invented Silly Bands having a much younger girl pulling <laughs> partner, I think is, that is <laughs> uh-huh. scary. I, I wonder, like, how rich is he? Rafa's bands? Big, but... Oh, they were so big. I remember when like certain teachers at who are middle school, like actually took them away. <laughs> stuff yeah, like yeah. scary 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 i um i think they live in alabama or something they live well in- that tracks yeah um but no, <laughs> at the end of the day you are hawking rubber yeah. bands to kids <laughs> like Our, that doesn't take you to malibu no not no um yeah no i i don't know it does definitely getting back to the d'amelio family oh yes <laughs> television show I um it is crazy it it really is this micro celebrity that has become so yeah. macro and just I we're I feel so old already I can't wait well, that the thing about so the tip top influencers on TikTok are these identical strong jawed white teenagers who just do these dances that by and large black creators have created but the dances in and of themselves are not even that impressive they're just like a lot of like this is not a visual medium but like I'm like you just know that I'm like swinging my arms around doing like the like peewee herman dance from I mean movie basically it's it is just transparent like the what's going on here you know like yeah I you know there I don't doubt that they're great dancers but I I do uh I don't think it's healthy for like 16 year olds to have hundreds of millions of people watching them from a a little screen I don't know and that's where that's where you when you start to say things like that people don't like it I feel yeah well I mean there's a little girls do what they want and it's like no it's not their fault but if I if I <laughs> it's I crazy know. that you can make millions and millions of dollars doing what they do though yeah. and like we read some articles earlier today that bo- both talk about how like a lot of the economic generation behind this machine is due to like sponsored content and branded partnerships which yeah. people don't usually see unless uh, it's usually just like a post the grid or like um I don't remember which article it was that talked about like the two creators who are in a couple eating like a raising canes chicken tender yeah, <laughs> like yeah, lady in the tram yeah oh, such a good article but yeah and they got paid like millions for that one piece yeah. of content or something i mean it's just a what it seems so misguided um like why are we it feels like we're creating monsters, like just putting these well, gorgeous teens in mansions and making them dance for us. And like, we, in, in a way, yes, we are, because I mean, especially like we weren't seeing this drama play out on camera necessarily, but like back in the pandemic, like, I mean, I was living in LA until very recently and the cops were being called constantly to these 
content houses like Hype House and Sway House because of these massive parties they were throwing in the hills. So like, in a way they are being in, in the context of a global health crisis in which everyone is locked in their apartment, they are being monsters. But if you look out in a macro, that's still just kind of normal teenage yeah. behavior. Yeah. No, it's just I'm, these teens just have millions of dollars. Exactly. I, I more so mean monsters as like a normal person is not going to come out of like these situations. You know, no. you, can't, you can't have this kind of fame at such a young age and all this money and come out the other side or may, maybe you will maybe you'll come out the other side super rich and not give a shit but the, I, like, I don't know I worried a little um watching the D'Amelio show trailer this is not a show that I'm necessarily going to watch long term but I am going to tune into it because it's very clearly being positioned as a Gen Z analog to the Kardashians Yes. Though the Kardashians, for better or worse, are old money in LA in that culturally they like, I think came up in like the late 70s, 80, early 80s, have been there for a long time for an Angelino. And they like, by the time that show actually got started, they had not been famous in the general consciousness for a long time, but they were very lived in in their like Angelino eccentricities which made for very good tv the d'amelios are not to get all like great gatsby of silver like about it our new money la basically who have only been here for a year and they definitely do not seem ready for prime time no oh my gosh that, just that trailer dull I, but I, so dull <laughs> that the amount of times the the mom says like we're, we were just in connecticut like oh my god yeah I, I also feel like it seems very produced you know it seems like the producers are saying okay charlie now you're gonna talk about how you feel when this happens you know or like yeah. charlie now you're gonna be sad about the fact that dixie's not standing up for you like it just it seems very the producers involved you know now- and which is like that's just tv but that is just tv and in in many ways it's kind of like endemic to streaming era reality tv shows too like selling sunset which is on netflix and i think a much better tv show than what this is going to do is also so heavily produced and you can tell the producers are literally feeding people lines and doing all like the hills was doing that too 15 years ago but like it doesn't seem like there's any drama going on here though. And like, you need drama to make a reality TV show good. And if, especially if you're, if it's so heavily produced, which maybe just speaks to the kind of blandness of these characters that even if yeah. this whole production team, you can't, you know. Like yeah. if you can't cut a good trailer out of what I'm assuming is like months worth of footage, what do we have here? Also, I, yeah, I feel like they're people who are, of course, very careful about their image and how that that doesn't make good TV. You know, like I think the reason like Vanderpump Rules was so good is because they these people just wanted to be famous. You know, yeah. the reason why uh, the Kardashians was so good in its early seasons is kind of the same reason. These people are just like fame hungry mm-hmm. and like excitable. Yeah, I think the D'Amelio's that why would we want to watch them no I mean they plenty of people will but they've already reached like the apotheosis of 
whatever fame they're probably going to milk out of the TikTok enterprise. I can see why they want to branch into other things. Like I believe Dixie is the one with the music career and it's very unremarkable, (laughs) shitty, sad girl pop that like it, not a singer, not a vocalist. (laughs) That that one song, fuck boy is just bums me out. But also, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to not be so um, like curmudgeonly about things like this, you know, like about the state of celebrity. No, I, I, like I think celebrity is in a fun place right now. Honestly, I think we have a really good crop of new people who are fun to root for, like Lil Nas X, who it's kind of easy oh, to remember, did not get famous because of TikTok as a creator himself, but like old town road was such probably like the first big tiktok era yeah music hit in a lot of ways and it's kind of i mean he's done so much other stuff to like branch off of that narrative to make us forget that but like i know i mean him like olivia rodrigo like i mean for as boring as billy is like billy is a pretty compelling celebrity in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um but like i don't i mean there's not the Demilio's are not because we don't know anything about them. Addison Ray is slightly more compelling in that she's a Trump supporter and like people get mad about that. Oh, funny. But I she mean, has that movie coming up too. Yeah. She has a movie. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. She's all that. Yeah, which looks horrible. It looks, I mean, again, what do we expect? I just think they're, these are easy, it's easy money, you know? All the, all the teens are going to see it. They want to see their favorite TikToker. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I had not really considered about TikTok, just because I don't see it tapped into my feeds as much that the articles brought up was like the spread of misinformation and like the QAnoning of TikTok. Is that something you've seen firsthand? I have not seen it firsthand, but I've read about it. And it's just, I mean, everyone uh, saying that these like, TikTokers talking about climate change are gonna save the world. <laughs> I are deep in their own algorithm. You yeah. know, there are. It's just like Facebook. You know, it's it's no better than Facebook. There are oh. there are different sides of it, of course, but there's so much misinformation going around, and it's you know, and it's it's know, such a an... young impressionable viewer. Right. But also young, impressionable viewers with no attention span. Like, yeah. and this is content that's deliberately designed to be impermanent. Like, mm-hmm. it's not going to internalize with any of these people because they're going to watch it like three times on a loop, maybe, and share it with their friends. But then, like, two minutes later, there's like Dixie D'Amelio eating a bag of bugles. Yes. I think then honestly, what? this is also what's ruined my brain, um, not from TikTok, but it's. TikTok is just, uh, it really compressed it, but just the way that social media is and that you'll see, yeah, something about, I don't know, climate change and then Dixie D'Amelio eating bugles. It's just <laughs> a kind of the way your brain throws away both of them, you know, yeah. instead of <laughs> like, just because of the proximity, it's, it's terrible. And for me, it's, I have always, I mean, Twitter, to be fair, does the exact same thing. Like you see one thing, you laugh, and then you move on to the next thing. I do find it easier to um, think about like phrases that really tickle me rather than like 
videos and stuff that stick with me. And maybe that's just because of like, that's just the way I'm a visual learner. But like, I, I mean, that there was like a, a picture the other day from Miranda Cosgrove's oh Instagram gosh. in which she looked um like she was maybe cosplaying as the Latina experience. Yes, let's just say, I yeah, the same one. I a little wanted to make sure we're on the little same. tan, yeah. Sure. And someone on Twitter said, "Que bonita la y Carla." <laughs> I haven't been able to stop saying that <laughs> for. <laughs> e Carla, I just cannot. I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. But like, I cannot think of one TikTok um, that really sticks with me the same way, except for maybe some like Brooklyn all comedy ones where it's like, like Grace Cool and Schmidt's videos, I think, are like about as good as the platform gets. But a lot of those are like text based humor, too. I also feel like um, it's just the like the speed of it i think that trends and jokes move much quicker on tiktok mm-hmm. but also maybe it's just because i am uh i don't know more uh i'm biased and i like twitter better but yeah I, you know tiktok is just famously fast and, and trends will be over within a day you you do make a good point too though like Twitter is built for discourse so like someone's gonna say one funny thing or say something completely batshit and then people spend the rest of the day talking about it and sharing it like there is it's still like designed to be impermanent but like yeah there's more of a conversation conversation. like I don't know what you're doing on TikTok to do that besides like duetting with people yeah yeah I, I don't know it's I I, I really cannot help but feel uh, crisis. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a way out? Um, <laughs> that's a lo- that's a hard question to answer. Beautiful. Do I have a way out? So I definitely don't want to use the app anymore. Um, I I don't feel like I'm stuck in the app as much yeah. as I'm stuck thinking about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, I I totally I had to delete the app from my phone a month after downloading it because it was just relentless and like I found what if myself wanting to participate in it. But it's way harder to make a video than it is to just tweet something about like Elton John being an old man, you know. Which is why people make you feel bad about hating it. Yeah. Hey, hey, could you make a video like this? And the answer is no. No. <laughs> Why would I? But like, you don't have to force yourself to like feed that drive. No, it's not for I, everyone. It's not for everyone. But I think the crisis just kind of comes from knowing that this is the future, you know? Yeah. And, but I don't know. It's like, whatever. It's just not for me, is what I've been telling myself. But I, as someone who like loves, culture and entertainment and loves to participate you know I I'm just like not this (laughs) no I mean like to be fair apps do have waxing and waning cycles like we went through this when we were in like late high school with Vine too the difference with Vine though is that all those creators felt noticeably older I think than the ones who are on tiktok now like tiktok like it's all people younger than us who will are trying to be around for like the long haul right but maybe they felt older because we were the same age 
Hmm. Blow, blown your Boo, mind. But I, <laughs> I also, I have a radical idea. Mm-hmm. What about no apps? I'm going to have to hard pass on that. <laughs> okay. No, speak on that. Like what app, you want to get rid of all apps or just move? Like, what do you mean? I don't know. I, I mean, obviously we're too far gone, but I, um, feel myself like deeply addicted to social media. And I wonder if I would be better off without it. Um, but you know, I, uh, if I'm going down, everyone needs to come down with me. Yeah. <laughs> The problem for me is that, like, I think I've I've basically excised Facebook, Snapchat, and now TikTok out of my life completely mm-hmm. in a proactive way. Like, I still experience, like, TikTok through Twitter and Instagram, I guess, to an extent. But, like, I, I cannot and ever envision a world in which I get rid of either Twitter or Instagram just because it's such, like, a... <laughs> this is a cheesy word but it's a network you know like I feel like I have such a network on both of those places now Twitter I mean Twitter especially I feel connected to um yeah but you know I think maybe it is also just it's depends on what you like you know if you're someone who likes taking selfies then you're gonna prefer Instagram so right but at the same time it's just sort of like the fact that I feel so uh kind of entrenched in these like networks I don't know it, it it worries me I think you know if the deleting the apps doesn't work out I do think that and this is cynical and like I don't want to sound like too sour persimmonsy about this but like I do think a lot of these like big TikTok creators are just going to age out of it Mm-hmm. at this point especially like the dance heavy ones and the people who are not necessarily displaying talent yeah on a day-to-day basis like I don't think that prop. yeah I like no one wants to see and I said said this with love to like our 26 year old community no one wants to see a bunch of 26 year olds dance on camera no. you know no I do think like this app will definitely I mean we've seen like people are now getting jobs from TikTok people are getting trips to the White House for better or worse from TikTok like maybe I'm jealous I'm not I'm only um no I don't I don't want to say I don't want to say it on air I guess I don't well I'm fine just going down to the gate and waving in I don't need to like put on like no, acrylic I, nails and like debase myself for that's what I don't want to do I don't yeah. think I would be a good famous person um but there's a lot of compromise in that like I I, I to me like I was reading um do you know Joe Castle Baker mm-hmm. so I was reading some it was either nylon or paper I don't remember like one of those like internet scene publications where he did an interview and he just got cast in Search Party season five in a regular role, oh. basically because John Early saw his TikToks. Wow. And I was like, oh, that's great. Like, you're someone I actually find very funny on the app and you got funneled into a 
joke delivery system, basically, that is exactly your style of humor and you're going to thrive in it. That's great. I would like to see people like that do well. Like, I'm glad like Meg Stalter's done really well from like TikTok to hacks recently. Like, I hope Grace Schmidt gets like a good gig out I, of all this too. Yeah, I feel like there have always been gatekeepers, you know, yeah. to things like this. So, I mean, TikTok, Instagram, whatever, does a good job, job of kind of like lowering the barrier to entry. But I, I even still, it just seems like there's such a, there's more to it. Yeah, there's but more I, to it. There's more to it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who knows? And like in two months, like we, like TikTok could be gone. Like we would never even know. Like, I mean, I feel like Vine left as soon as it came. So. Wow. That, just... I mean, that would upset a lot of people. It would. I mean, I remember when Trump was trying to get, TikTok shut down because like of China because I, I don't know how to elaborate I don't know anymore about that situation because, because of China no, I but. mean I don't know the the thing is it is a Chinese company and they do have all of our data and I'll say nothing more excellent <laughs> out excellent out this pod all right well I think on that note let's move on to our final segment yay all right so we're gonna play tear the community apart the rules of this game are very simple i have picked two songs and you're going to tell me which one is better mm -hmm. easy right sure very i th this might be a tough one they're all tough ones but i think this one's pretty no, tough. i'll say which one um, yes okay. you have impeccable taste in music i do very much think so and i've given you a difficult decision today to pick between two of the absolute best PC music songs. Wow. For those who do not know PC music, it is the AG Cook led creative collective, basically, that I would argue created the hyper pop movement, which is now dead, but I will, that's a Definitely. statement for another podcast. Which song is better? Bip by the late great Sophie. Mm -hmm. or Broken Flowers by Danielle Harley. You know what? It was immediate, Bip. Wow. It is It is very hard, but Bip, easily. Yeah. I think I would make the same choice here too. Like Bip, when I heard it the summer of 2013 for the first time, it was like, like my brain rewired. Yeah. yeah, it really is just will will change the or would change the way you think about music now it, it's it did change music that sounds hyperbolic but it's completely no, it's, true it's yeah. one of like the few songs i can think of that really like yeah like yeah. what a fucking talent genius genius like and bit is still my favorite sophie song and how it completely like turns the idea of like an EDM song on its head basically because yeah. like it's like 2013 that's kind of like the post Avicii post like Swedish yeah. house mafia era and like then this EDM song comes along that has no like it's all like top line bubbles and no like there's no like bass or anything there's no drop really yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all just like 
but it's not like a Skrillex song either. It's just yeah, like it, it's exactly. just like all the like euphoric top bubble. Yes. And euphoric, nothing. That is a great way of putting it. It really is. I mean, yeah, as someone who honest shamelessly really enjoys EDM, I think Sophie is just. I mean, I wouldn't even call Sophie EDM, but Mm-mm. definitely. It, I mean, when you look at their career after the fact, like it's just unbelievable. Uh, like so varied. Insane. I do love Broken Flowers, though. Oh, incredible song. Really an all-timer, but yeah. I gotta go with Bip. You gotta go with Bip. Um, Why well, have you here? <laughs> what are some of your favorite albums from this year so far? Ooh. Oh, that's tough. Um, okay, let's see. What have I been listening to? Um, Tinashe's new album is incredible. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh my gosh, why can I think of a single album? Wow, I, I wish you, I wish you prep or uh Oh no, I this was just off the cuff. Like oh, I feel oh, well let me let me think about it. There's oh um uh Tyler the Creator album mm-hmm. is good. Did do you know Fiddlehead? Yeah, I do know Fiddlehead. I think that came out this year. Yeah, I think so. I, <laughs> like i'm so mixed up on timing um oh my god do you know cobra oh a cobra with an h yeah yeah talk about like pc music oh, um influence shit. yeah incredible the only one making music right now like, yeah oh wow no but my two favorite pop acts right now that are like doing that sort of like pc music inspired like like actual if you're gonna say hyperpop this is like actual good hyperpop Mm-hmm. are cobra and magdalena bay yes incredible oh incredible um i'm looking at my spotify right now i really like the new foxing album i don't know if you i haven't listened to it it's good it's not um that last foxing album near my god is like a great slice of midwestern emo and this is a lot more like I mean, it sounds like radio alt rock circa 2015 a little bit but it's good yeah, that's yeah. kind of something I like. <laughs> um, the new Taurus album is really good, too. Yes. Oh, With... wow. There, there were some good albums this year that I don't remember at all. Yeah. It's, like, I feel like, um, not to use, like, Pitchfork as, like, a benchmark for, like, talked about albums or, like, mm-hmm. great, excellent albums or whatever, but, like, I think it was um Larry Fitzmorris, mm-hmm. the music writer, who pointed out that, like, this time last year, Pitchfork had named 30 best new music albums, and this year they've only done 16, okay. and, like, I feel like most of the buzzy albums this year, like, like Japanese Breakfast or um, Lucy Dacus, um Tanashi even they've all gone like somewhere in between a 7.6 and a 7.8 so you have a lot of these albums that are like in the collective consciousness but not getting the like canonization treatment I feel like I think it's also it's because of a few things I think Pitchfork is trying to be harsher not harsher but like more critical yeah give less like you know yeah more critical um but also I think that Tanashi amazing obviously not is excused from what I'm about to say but I think we're all we're really in our flop era out here I yeah not I can't like the fact that I can't like 
I mean, that Fiddlehead album is Between the Richness, I think it's called. It's, mm -hmm. So that's, I mean, that's the one album that I can think of like, okay, that's album of the year. But there are so few albums that I can readily like call on. I, yeah, I don't think it's the fault of the artists though. I think it might just be like, we're all depressed. <laughs> yeah, and like, I think we're just, we're only just now getting out and like being able to like experience Out in the Wild, the albums from last year, which I don't think, like I have heard more songs from like future nostalgia out and about this year than I have, or Chromatica from this or last year, like out and about this year than I have any like major pop release this year. Yeah. I, Which is I, like, you know, I, yeah. I also feel like just the flattening of like work and home life. There's not a lot of time to just listen to music. Um, yeah. Which is so sad, you know, you don't have, I don't know, your commute time or you're you're sitting at home and you're still working you can't really just like throw on a record and do nothing yeah. maybe I'm just yeah I don't know it's uh, yeah I, I think I've had an atypical I mean until very recently my job was to listen to music all day <laughs> nonstop. so like I had a pretty atypical experience I think but like yeah I think for I've heard that about like podcasts for a lot of people too like not to get like self-reflexive at all um, is that auto fiction if I do, if I talk about this, um, <laughs> if I, Definitely. no, like I heard people don't listen to podcasts as much anymore because they're not commuting places, which I think like makes I, sense. I listen to podcasts a lot now. I think it's because I think it's because I can just put it on my phone, put my phone like on the table, but I just don't leave want, it. Yeah. yeah. I'm like doing the dishes or something, but I can't do that with music, you know, mm -hmm. I, cause I want to hear it. You know, I don't want no, like a ringtone. That's it. I'm the exact same way. Like usually for me, podcasts are like, I mean, until like while I was working in music business, especially like it was counter programming. Like I couldn't, it was like a palate cleanser, I guess. Like I couldn't just listen to music constantly for like 10 hours a day. Like if I were doing, if I was doing like busy work or whatever, like spreadsheets, you know, <laughs> like yeah. I need a podcast for that. I can't listen to like, turnstile and do a spreadsheet like oh, that sounds fun though it does that's like I think that's going to end up being my album of the year actually the turnstile one but it's yeah, not out it yet so like I cannot cannot speak further on the matter but this the singles have been yeah I electric yeah absolutely I think I think that's what we need more of some like I don't know music that'll throw you against a wall and like shoot you off to the moon oh yeah I mean I like I didn't, I was not really into like the emo punk or like hardcore scene in during my like teenage years, which is I think when a lot of people get into it, but like I'm experiencing that right now as a 26 yeah. year old, which I mean, I'm glad I got to it now because like that music is the stuff that's like really exciting me. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. that's that's my whole thing with music is like, I really need something to excite me. That's why I yeah. have trouble with Billy, you know? Well, and I think this could be like, um, for me at least, this could be a symptom of like, the like harshness of like Sophie and PC music rewiring my brain to like, actually accept like these like harsh guitar tones and like, it's like very abrasive stuff. But like, yeah. I think when I was younger and listening to like, 
bright eyes and like grizzly bear and deer hunter like it was not um it it wasn't computing for me then in a way that it is now you weren't primed for it no but well I think we have to wrap up here but Julia thank you so much for being here is there anything you'd like to promote or where can we find you on social media um hit me up on twitter julia gray okay gray with an a um often gets mixed up and what else do i have to promote oh uh if you want to download spotify's new green room app i do a show called obsessions every wednesday at 9 p.m that might change in the future but for now when this comes out it'll be that time so and and drew is a is a repeat guest so (laughs) Yeah, actually, if you're listening to this on the day this episode comes out, August 18th, I will be on tonight's episode. Yes, 9 p.m. Oh, wow. Yep, 9, p.m. 9 p.m. Eastern, right? 9 p.m. Eastern. Wow. Okay. That. That's as much day. for the guests as it is for my own G calendar, too. <laughs> um, and you can find me... Um, where can I be found? Can I be found at all? Oh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at FKA Pigs with the Z on Instagram at Drew Haskins with Z's. And you can subscribe to culturepig.substack.com for free weekly cultural musings delivered straight to your inbox. Um, I think if you, by the time you're listening to this, my most recent app or article will have been on the Gossip Girl reboot, I think, or White Lotus. I haven't decided yet, but you'll know it because you will have read it already. But in any case, thank you so much again for being here. This is so much fun. Um, Truly a treat. Yes, absolutely down. Um, And until next time, see you, everyone. Bye. Bye.